0: You know more about what matters in your life because you listen to the Pensacola Expert panel with Jenna Barr. 9-11 weekdays on News Radio 923-AM 1620.
1: The views and opinions expressed here on the Pensacola Expert
0: panel are not those necessarily of News Radio 923-1620, but those of Terrence A. Gross of Gross and Schuster, Attorney at Law.
1: Good morning. You're listening to the Pensacola Expert Panel on News ninety 92.3 and AM 1620. I'm Jenna Barr. 850-437-1620 is the number to text or call if you have a question. Terrence A. Gross is joining us this morning with Gross & Schuster. Good morning, Terrence.
0: Good morning. Glad to be back. Seems like it's been a pretty long time since we spoke, but happy new year.
1: Happy new year. It's great to hear from you this morning.
0: And uh, yeah, one more time, because I I always come with a topic, but uh, I love callers. So what is the number they can call or text at if they want to ask anything about a personal injury case?
1: Oh, absolutely. 850-437-1620. You can text or you can call 437-1620.
0: Perfect. So uh, I want to go over the uh, age old adage of one cannot get blood out of a turnip uh, that we've heard so much all our lives and and is it true in the personal injury field uh, my opinion and this is mine like you said the views are, are my opinion and this is strictly my opinion is you cannot get blood out of a turnip I, I, I really believe that for personal injury I will tell you an exception as we talk today but um, so I've had cases. I I remember when I was a young lawyer. I mean, 30 years ago, I had a a young girl that was killed tragically in a car wreck, and the guy that killed her had a 10,000 limit, and her parents did not have full coverage, and the case had to be settled for 10,000. She's dead. But what am I going to do? Sue a person driving around with a 10,000 limit? I can assure you that Donald Trump or John Rockefeller or whoever is not driving around with the 10 limits. So the people that are driving around with 10 limits are people that are barely getting by in this world. And even if the person has something, you think well, they they seem to have money, it doesn't mean you can collect from them. I mean, so a person could live in a $400,000 house that first of all, it's homestead. It's probably got a mortgage on it. And it's probably in joint names with the wife, more than likely. And so there's layers of of problematic uh, issues out there where you just can't collect. They could have a car, but uh, you can't take a a person's car. It may also have a loan on it. A lot of people finance their vehicles. They may finance their boats. So it's easier said than done trying to collect against a person. I think the best example in America that we all know about is O.J. Simpson. So yes, he was found not guilty by a criminal jury many years ago, but a couple years later, another jury, a civil jury, on money only, found him guilty of killing Ron Goldman. And I think I can't remember the exact verdict, but it was twenty-something million dollars, uh, and that family's never seen a penny of it. So. At that time, O.J. was living in South Florida. He lived in a $2 million mansion. He played golf every day and lived the life of Riley and thumbed his nose at the Goldman family, and there was nothing they could do because a civil judgment is a piece of paper. And if you go back to the origination of this country, when our forefathers came and a lot of the early settlers were from England, they came from England, which had debtors' prisons and so forth. You owed a debt, you went to prison. Well, they didn't want to have that over here, and they did away with it. So in America, you can't put a person in prison for a civil debt. Maybe if you don't pay your alimony or child support, they've made exceptions for that. But but just you know, I, I could you loan me ten thousand? I promise I'll pay you back in thirty days, and I don't do it. There's not much you could do about it. You could sue me and it's a piece of paper. Let me tell you a true story on myself. About five or six years ago, I I've I I've, I've had a little old uh, rental house in Gulf Breeze and I was renting it out for, you know, 1100 a month. It was, it was just a very small, low-end property. And, I, and the renter in there had been there for a couple of years and she usually paid on time. Every now and then she may be 10 days late or something. But, the you know, by and large, she did it. She paid, and I didn't have to nudge her and, and you know, whatever. Um, and then I just sort of got tired of the rental thing. I just got tired of being called in to, to fix the septic tank, to fix the roof. And I just, you know, I, some people like the whole rental thing. I don't, I don't like it. It's not my DNA. So about I thought I'd, I was doing her a favor. So around October, I write her a letter saying, oh, by the way, I've elected to go ahead and sell the property. You will have to be out January one. I'm going to give you plenty of notice, so that it gives you two months to, you know, to find another place, pack up, and move. Well, November comes along, and she doesn't pay the rent. And then December, and I call her up. I say, "What's going on?" She says, "Well, um, you know, you, you decide to sell the property. I decided not to pay your rent." And she was, in other words, she was mad at me. Uh, I said, "Well, oh, ma'am." You know, it's not the way it goes. We got a lease here, and and you owe the money. He says, I know I owe the money, but I'm not paying her. So she moves out, and um, I get a little – I'm not real happy about the situation. So I decide to sue her in small claims, thinking, okay, I'll sue her in small claims. I don't wake her up. She'll get scared, and she'll pay me. So we end up in court. So now we're in court. We're in Milton, and we're before the judge. And the judge announces the case. We both come up. It's kind of like, you know, just like Judge Judy and Judge Watner. So now we're up there. And uh, the judge looks at her and says, Mr. Gross has alleged that you didn't pay the last two months of rent, that you owe him $2,200. What say you? And the woman says, yeah, I owe it. So the judge goes, oh, okay. So do you want to work out a payment plan to Mr. Gross? Nope. So you're not going to pay Mr. Gross back? Nope. And the judge looks at her like, "What? I mean, I haven't seen this. So she enters a judgment and I got the judgment and it grows at you know eight percent a year or whatever, but it's a piece of paper. Have I ever seen a dime of it? No, will I ever? No. It's a piece of paper. I, you can't get blood out of a turnip. So I think a lot of people get really frustrated. I've had people call me. They'll call me, and says, "I got this law firm, I got this case, and they start describing all about the injuries. I broke this arm, I've had this surgery. And my lawyer wants to settle for fifty thousand dollars. Well, I know where this is going. Usually, and I I let them talk and and whatever, and once they you know take a break in talking, I say, well, let me just ask you a few questions. How much coverage do you think the defendant has? Fifty? Did you have full coverage? Do you have uninsured motorist coverage? No, we don't have it. And then I'm saying, well, I don't know. I can make any difference. I think the lawyer, whoever you have. Is probably telling you the reality of the situation. And if the defendant only has a fifty limit and there's no other source of coverage, you begrudgingly probably should settle for the fifty, because anything else is going to be a piece of paper. And to get that piece of paper, think about this: so you let the sue and you take this person to court. So now you go to court. Now the jury says three hundred thousand. Now you feel so much better. That lawyer is recommending fifty. But the insurance company was going to tender the fifty, the jury says three hundred, the insurance company still tenders fifty, and you got a judgment against the driver for, you know, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. It's a piece of paper. And if they really care about it, they can file bankruptcy, go to any bankruptcy lawyer, pay that lawyer, whatever they charge, $1,000, $1, thousand fifteen hundred dollars, whatever the going rate is, and that that civil judgment's gone. It's just gone. So I, I think people just don't realize that, or they don't want to. Maybe intellectually they know it, but when you're injured and you broke all these phones and plates and screws, you don't want to hear that that's all you can get. But And that's why I'm always on a soapbox telling people, please, please have uninsured or underinsured motorist coverage because there's so many drivers out there. 50%, when you go out on the – any way you want, up and down Davis Highway, wherever you drive – Half the drivers only have a ten thousand limit. Half. That means other people, there are people up over 25s and fifties, a few one hundreds, and occasionally there's something with a million, but, but most people are driving out there with just a ten thousand limit, which is deadly squat. And, and and the worst drivers, the worst drivers have the lowest coverage. Why? Because if you are a a a, a bad driver, you cause accidents, you run stop signs, you you've been careless about how you drive, well then your rates are going to be so high you have to get to a high risk carrier and, and and have the minimal limits. You know, and, and that's it's just the way it is. So you you've got to have your own coverage. So I would say of most of my cases I handle, that they may start off going against the the at fault party and they end up going against my client's uninsured motorist coverage. So what they I got a hundred files right now, I'll bet you fifty are either in um, a process of making a claim against the uninsured motorist coverage or we're, we're going to as, uh, as the case progresses. Um, and and I, I just can't advocate it. You can't depend on the other driver to be responsible enough to have uh, full coverage for you. These people that are running red lights four seconds after it turns red, that's not the type of person that's going to be driving around with 100 limit. You just don't see that. These people that are doing that or driving around with either no insurance or just a ten thousand limit, um, the, the drunk drivers, or uh, whatever these people. Don't, so the more careless the driver, usually the lower the coverage, and and, and they cause mayhem, and, and then and then the injured party's just left holding the bag, and and so you've got to fend for yourself. You've got to have uninsured motorist coverage because again, you cannot get blood out of a turnip. Uh, I told you. Uh, Jim, that there is um, an exception uh, to the rule, and I'd like to go That's ahead right. and at least lay it out there. Yeah. And, and, and the, except, yeah, the exception is this, uh, under Florida law, and it's a weird exception. It doesn't – and there's no logic with this exception. So years ago, I began practicing law in 1979. This law had been on the books for quite some time. It's known as the financial responsibility law, and what it basically says is if you cause property damage, property that means damage to a car. You run over somebody's mailbox. You run into somebody's fence. Property damage. If if that property damage is not paid, the person who's had the property damaged can sue the defendant who caused the wreck. This is only for car wrecks. They can sue them, get a judgment, which is just a piece of paper. You record it with Tallahassee, which is no big deal. It's you know like five bucks and send it off to Tallahassee, they will s- suspend that person's license for how long, Jen? How long would they take their license for, for not paying a property damage claim?
1: Um, I suspect maybe six months at minimum.
0: <clears throat> how about forever?
1: How about really? Forever? Really? Yeah,
0: they'll, ta- they'll take away your license forever until it's paid.
1: Okay, until it's forever, paid. Forever
0: right. until it's paid. And so what happens the SCOP laws... So you get the judgment against someone like the lady I sued, they don't care. They don't care. get the judgment. You record it with Tallahassee, they don't care. They don't care. But guess what Tallahassee does? The, the, the Department of Motor Vehicles, they suspend the license. If you don't pay a civil judgment from a car wreck for property damage, they suspend the license. So the person still doesn't care. But about two years later, They get stopped speeding for only, you know, only 10 miles of the speed limit. Not a big deal. 10 miles by the speed limit, they get stopped. The officer runs the tag. It comes back, suspended license. What does the officer do, do, Jim? What does an officer do at that point?
1: I mean, would you get arrested on the spot or no? Yes. Really? Okay.
0: You are arrested, just like a DUI okay so driving on a suspended license is not a traffic violation it is a criminal violation dui is a criminal violation driving on a suspended license is a crime you will be handcuffed you'll be taken to jail you'll have to get your picture taken and bonded out and you're given your first court date and at the first court date if you don't have a lawyer the judge is going to say you better get a lawyer you better Mm -hmm. go get a lawyer those lawyers are certainly going to charge at least $1,000 or more just for, you know, to get involved in this stuff. And ultimately, the judge is going to tell... Most judges are pretty uniform. Every judge is different, but on this type of thing, they're pretty uniform, and they usually... Because I used to do this. Back when I was a young lawyer, I saw this all the time. And what they'll basically say is the same thing. They'll say, sir, uh, I'm going to sentence you to 30 days in jail. However, if you can show proof of a valid driver's license.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, come back and see me in two weeks. I'll give you another court date. You come back in two weeks and you show me that you have a valid license in your hand. I will suspend your 30 day jail sentence because right. you have no prior suspended driver charges. So what happens in the next two weeks, that lawyer and that person are scrambling and they're going back to the original person that they blew off years before and trying to, you know, pay off that, that judgment so that they can, you know, show it to the state of Florida and get the, get the license back. Because if they don't get the license back, they're doing 30 days, which they certainly don't relish.
1: And it could have just been done at the beginning.
0: <laughs> right, I know, but so it's, it's interesting, but, but what, what I've always marveled at, so you can kill a person, kill them, dead, mm.
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, and, and they don't take your license. Yeah, but you cause property damage to the car that's not you know that's not covered, and and you can suspend their license. And so they they put a greater value on property than on body, which which I've always marvelled at. It's never been cured. I bet you if you quizzed all our legislators meeting right now in Tallahassee, I bet you'd be quizzed every one of them maybe less than half would know that this law is on the books they probably don't even know the laws on the books because it's not on their radar nobody's really beating their door down about this but it's it's just i've always just been intrigued that okay so property damage you get your license suspended kill somebody break their neck no big deal um so it's it's interesting to say the least but uh Anyway, so lawyers are forced to, to take the, the coverages that exist. Now, we, we certainly look you know, for all other coverages out there, and we look under every stone. Uh, but, but again, the adage uh, that one can't get blood of a turnip, there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth. It's very frustrating. It's probably about the most frustrating thing I face as a lawyer because I, I, I've been doing this for 42 years. I know what I'm doing. I know how to get from A to B. Uh, so someone comes in and your heart goes out to them. They've been, they're rear ended by somebody that was texting or drunk or whatever they were doing at a high speed. Now they need neck surgery. They have lost their job or can't work for a while. Their bills are piling up. Your heart goes out to these people. They did nothing wrong. And you want to get them some type of compensation. Um, and and it can be very difficult at times due to the limitations of coverage. And I tell them that. Yeah, and they they they, they don't like what I say. I say, I know you're not gonna like what I say, I'm just telling you. And I'm sure you'll talk to some lawyer that's gonna promise you the moon and, and shame on that lawyer. And then at the end of the case, they'll end up settling for the same thing I, I I saw. So I'll tell them there's a 50 limit. I can't find any coverage anywhere else. All I see is the 50. We have to reluctantly at least go out to the 50 and they don't want to hear it. And then they'll go to Joe Blow that leads them to believe there's something else is going to happen. And eventually, I'm sure with Joe Blow, they settle for 50 a year later or something. You know, so it, 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 it's sad, but true. And, and so the limitations of coverage is a major, major problem on many of our cases. And and and, and when some of my clients do have uninsured motorist coverage, then it certainly gives me elbow room. And then we turn our focus on your, your own carrier. Now I know it's more mentally satisfying to go against the at-fall vehicle. They're the one that caused all this. But I still believe insuring for yourself if you think about it. When you buy hurricane insurance, that's what you're doing. You're insuring yourself for something bad that may happen, that's no fault of your own. You didn't cause the hurricane. But at the end of the day, if the hurricane comes and it damages your house and you want a new roof or whatever you go to your own insurer and you don't feel guilty about making a claim, well, it should be no different for uninsured motorists. It should be no different for collision. If you're driving a vehicle out there on the roadway, you should have collision because a lot of people still don't have insurance or they only have a 10 limit. And if you think about it, even if you're not rich, if you're not rich and you work real hard and you finally get that new car, you know, a basic new car. I mean, a thirty-thousand-dollar car is not some luxury vehicle anymore. So you buy a thirty-thousand-dollar car and, and you finance it, and you're so proud you got something new and whatever. And then someone damages it severely. Um, you know, um, you know, you want compensation. You want to, you know, you, you don't want to be left holding the bag either for injury or the property damage. So. Oh, you know, yeah. that, that's what we deal with. You know, it, It's very frustrating.
1: Oh, I can absolutely imagine. Uh, hey, 850-437-1620. I'm Jenna Barr. You're listening to the Pensacola Expert Panel. Terry Gross is here to answer your questions, and this is a question. It's actually pretty good, and I haven't – I don't think we've received this one yet. We have about uh, a little over two minutes left in the show. Uh, what happens if you are partially responsible for the Accident Is that still a personal injury case, or how does that kind of um, you know veer off?
0: Super question. Florida has always been a comparative negligence state. So if you went to trial and the jury found you 50% at fault, maybe you were speeding a little bit and someone cut in front of you. So the jury says, well, you shouldn't have been speeding, so you're 50% at fault, but the person shouldn't cut in front of you. They're 50% at fault, then you get 50% of your damages. So it's a comparative... It's a fair system. Um, In Alabama, it's contributory negligence. If you're found 1% at fault in uh, Alabama, you get nothing. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of old school. But most states are comparative negligence. I know we're running out of time. Uh, This is Terrence Gross. I've been practicing here in Escambia County for only 42 years. I have both my sons with me and my son-in-law. We have five offices throughout the Panhandle, Pensacola, Milton, Crestview, Fort Walton, and Navarre to reach us in Pensacola, 850-434-3333. The best way to find out about us is on our website. You can find out a bunch of information. Read our reviews. Read what the public is saying about us and our representation of members of of the public. I I appreciate you hosting as usual. The time always flies, and we'll, we'll obviously have a new topic when we talk in a couple weeks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, again, if you do have those questions that are a little bit more difficult to kind of answer in a nutshell um, with Terrence on air, please reach out. It's better to ask than never ask and not know. Right, Terrence?
0: True. And and call us at 850-434-3333 or the website, grossandschuster.com.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Terry, for your time today. Look forward to catching up with you uh, next month on the Pensacola Expert Panel. Of course, you always bring a topic for us, and with legislation season 2 I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about.
0: True, true. Uh, nice talking to you. Talk to you in a couple
1: weeks. Thank you so much again. You're listening to the Pensacola Expert Panel on News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. I'm Jenna Bar.